Well, we're continuing in our series on prayer today, and uh, we're basically answering a different question over these four weeks. I hope that so we become convinced, or maybe more convinced, that prayer changes lives. So, as we think about prayer, I wonder if you've ever prayed this prayer. So far today, God, I've done all right. I haven't gossiped, haven't lost my temper, haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, or even selfish, mostly. I'm really glad about that. But in a few moments, God, I'm going to get out of bed. <laughs> and from then, I'm probably going to need your a lot more help. Amen. Is that the reason why we pray? Because we just need help. Uh, a while ago now, a friend of mine asked this question. We were talking about prayer, and it's a question that just, I think it's a really valuable question. He said, if, if all your problems were fixed and you had all that you needed and wanted, what would you talk to God about? Would you talk to God? Today we're asking the question, why should we pray? And I hope we're going to hear the answer and it will be incredibly helpful uh, for us to hear. We pray because God has done everything so we can pray. I mean, I, I suspect that sounds very simple to you, but God has done everything so we can pray. But we still don't pray at times, do we? So before we ask why should we, I, I think it's helpful to recognise probably four key ways or reasons rather we don't pray. Number one is we doubt God. We either doubt that he's able or we doubt that he's willing or maybe both and uh, I encourage you if you weren't here last week or maybe you're still doubting, have a listen to last week's sermon because we looked at key passages that show us that God is able and he is willing. But another reason that we don't pray is because of the devil's lies. Uh, in the Bible, the devil, right, so basically from uh, the early chapters there, he's lying about God, that he's holding out on people. And he continues that lie about God to now, today, but he also lies about the value of the stuff of this world, the value of ourselves, either too high or too low, and the value of others. Another reason why we don't pray is because we depend on ourselves. Or it could be independence. We just don't trust and rely on God. And the reality is that's pride. Even if, like me, as I was thinking about this, I'm guilty of it. And, and most of the time, it's because I'm just unconsciously trying to do it myself. I just don't think to rely or depend on God. Certainly not turn to him in prayer. And finally, uh, the, or the fourth reason I think we don't pray is because of depression. I'm particularly speaking here about spiritual depression, which if we were to turn to a book in, in the Bible called Psalms, has 150 poems, a lot of them are just a, a believer really wrestling and saying to crying out to God, my soul is downcast and turning to God in that moment of spiritual depression. I know that feeling. You know that you should pray. You, you know that it's going to be good and right, but there's just not the will or the motivation to do it. And we need help. And in fact, with each one of those reasons why we don't pray this morning, we're going to turn to God's word and there we will get the help that we need. 
the answer to why should we pray. It's actually, we're going to look at it kind of simple way, A, B, C. We're going to see that we have access, that we belong, and that we are praying for change. There's going to be quite a bit in each one of those. And so I was thinking this morning, I'd encourage you, ask God to see which one, one of those, which one is he going to speak to you about and put on your heart and and bring about a real change in your prayer life. Um, So let's pray together now. Lord God, may the words of my mouth this morning and the meditation of all of our hearts today as we listen to you be pleasing in your sight our Lord, our rock, and our Redeemer. By the power of your Spirit, stop us from conforming to the pattern of this world, but instead transform our minds so that we can know your will and live it out, especially when it comes to to prayer. And I pray that you would be speaking to us from at least one of these reasons for why we should pray. We ask this through Jesus Christ. Amen. So firstly... Why should we pray? Well, we have access. We don't come groveling. We don't come when we've done enough good work to think, yep, I'm, I'm right, I'm ready, I've done enough to get the door open. Christianity is unique in all the face because we have access that's nothing to do with us. And we read about this in Hebrews chapter 10, an absolutely fantastic passage. You can follow it along on the outline there. We're going to look beginning at verse 19 to 20. In light of what Christ has done, his death on the cross, he's rising in new life, and all that that means, the writer says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body, we can have confidence to enter the most holy place. Now, the most holy place in the Old Testament that was symbolized of of being in the very presence of God and in in the tent or tabernacle they had and then they built this great temple. The very innermost room was the most holy place. And basically it said, no entry. No one is worthy to come. That's the whole message because of sin. Because we've fallen away from the glory of God. We weren't worthy to come. And that room symbolized that reality. That based on what we can do in ourselves, no entry. But here, now, there's a call, there's an invitation from God himself. Enter. It's a call to all thirsty, all hurting Believers to come into that most holy place, to come into God's own throne room and come before him with a confidence. That little word, enter, is God's way of saying he wants every one of his children to dwell with him, to remain in his presence and to speak with him. And we can come because of what Jesus has done, because his blood was shed on the cross. His sacrifice there was perfect, because he was perfect. His sacrifice was sufficient. In the Old Testament temple, 
the, the high priest then in their system, he could go and he needed to go in one day, once a year. That was it. But now Jesus has come. And with his sacrifice, it was sufficient once for all time and for all people. That is why we can enter to see the Father's face, our Father's face, to have our souls fed, truly satisfied with the love of God, to experience and delight in that union that we have with Christ. We are united to him through his death and resurrection. And not only that, to hear Jesus' prayers so that that will move us to pray our own prayers to God. As he continues, the writer of Hebrews, verse 10, 21, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. We are able to draw near to God. That's an incredible access that we have that we should make use of. But when we do, we can come with a sincere heart. What he's talking about there is being genuine. We don't have to try and hide things from God. I mean, you can't anyway. But in fact, it's a call to come in and confess our sins, to actually recognize that we're not worthy because of ourselves, but we can come because of Jesus. And that we can have our, when we confess our sins to God, then our guilt will be washed away. That guilty conscience made clear so that it doesn't become a barrier between us and God. So as the psalmist writes in Psalm 30, verse 11 to 12, you turn my mourning into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy. Instead of that grief about sin and, and the barrier between me and you, God, now my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. That's what we do with this access that we have. So we're washed clean again. All religions, past and present, are trying to get access to the divine or to God, some form of God or gods. They're trying to gain that access by the things that they do, and some are pretty full on, but that's the, the religious practice that will go on in order to try and bring oneself, to make oneself worthy to be able to be there, and often it's to pray. Why do you want the divine? Well, yes, it can be about the experience, but it's also usually in religions because of your need. What can you get from that God? And if you go through the certain motions, then he will give you what you ask for. I came across this picture uh, a few years ago now. Uh, not sure how well you can see it, but it's called uh, the prayer helmet. And uh, you may be able to see the antennas coming off the helmet. And... and People can think about prayer like this, that you've got to get into a certain position and you've got to have certain equipment or, or the right words to say and then you've got to need this you know, antenna to get your message away to God. You've got to do these things. 
not those who follow Christ, not Christians. We pray, or our prayer is a response to access into God's presence through Jesus, not trying to establish it. We come with a boldness, not because of ourselves, but a boldness in the blood of Jesus because of the worth that God sees it has. God is the one who's seen that sacrifice, that blood of Jesus shed on that cross and said, it is worthy so that we can enter. So when we think about why should we pray, well, it's because or it's in response to the access we have with God, not trying to establish it. The second reason that we ought to pray is because of belonging. We belong to God. It's like a family. When you're a part of a family, uh, you often will share a name, the last name typically. You'll share looks. Uh, in our, my family with my parents and, and my sisters, many of us share my dad's nose. There's debate about whether that's a good thing or not. There's mannerisms as well. Cass is often quite scared when my dad and I are together because we... we act and do certain things the same and she's like ah. but there's a bond there's a bond of belonging that is particular to families and that's what god has created and this is what we read in romans if you want to turn to the back passage romans chapter 8 verse 15 where we read there the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again rather the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship now ladies that still includes you the reason why it emphasizes sonship is because historically or traditionally the son and usually the oldest was the one who inherited and so god here is saying men women you are heirs you've been adopted so that you will receive this inheritance and by him we cry abba father by the spirit that we've received the spirit testifies with our spirit that we are god's children you and i when we have faith in jesus we receive god's own spirit who dwells with us that's what happens when we become a christian when we're united with jesus by faith in his his death on the cross and his resurrection and that makes us children god's children it's a sign it's, it's a proof to us that we've been adopted and it means we can pray that's how we it is that we can actually talk to god uh, as we read in ephesians 6 18 it has this it says we pray in the spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers and requests and jude 20 has the same phrase praying in the spirit we're able to do that when we've received the spirit of god that brings us into that relationship that intimacy with god so we can pray like jesus who himself prayed with the father and the spirit it's what unites us when we come together as a church and we have that spirit it's the same spirit that means when we pray together we are united through our prayers to pray in the spirit it's not just the means of how we pray it's also the spirit then guides us in what to pray putting god's word onto our heart and shaping our thinking 
helps us to think God's thoughts before we ask. It moves us. The Spirit moves us when we're discouraged, we're doubtful, or even just plain lazy. We pray in the Spirit. It's more than just talking to God, you see. As we read in verse, uh, chapter 8 of Romans, verse 26, Paul there has been talking about this fallen, broken world we live in that groans because of sin. And then he says in verse 26, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. We belong, the Spirit comes, we're brought into the family and the Spirit himself even prays on our behalf. Because the Spirit prays God's will. He knows God's will. And so he prays what is best. I, I don't know if you've had that experience, but there's definitely been times when I, I want to pray to God, I just don't know what to pray. I don't know the words, I can't put them into words, or I just, I'm not sure what the best thing is. But when we've been adopted and the Spirit is in us, we can know that the Spirit himself is praying for us. And so we can come to pray in the sense of not necessarily even having to have the words because we belong. And so we talk with God in that way through the Spirit. See, when we're adopted, when we belong, when we've got the Spirit, it's, it's like God our Father is coming alongside and, and, and teaching and guiding us through the Spirit. I remember being a parent, and, and you might remember this sort of thing happening, or it happening to you as a child even, where a parent teaches you how to walk, how to talk, how to tie shoes, or even ride a bike. I remember that, and that, that absolute just working through the basics, such basic things, and teaching them to someone else, to a child. We're like that with God. We're little children. doesn't matter how long we've been a Christian. Compared to God, we're still these little kids who need to learn how to talk, how to ride a bike. And he does that when we come in, in prayer. Our Heavenly Father has given us the gift of being able to pray to him, to talk to him as his children. That's why we should pray. Prayer isn't primarily about a pick-me-up or to fix the problems in my life. It's because we belong to God as his children. And finally, we pray for change. Uh, we often in our prayers can focus on our circumstances, can't we? Um, but God's priority isn't our circumstances, it's our character. And we see this when Paul writes to the Ephesian Christians. He's writing to them about the freedom and the confidence that they have to approach God, much like our Hebrews passage. And then in verse 14, and it'll be up on the screen here in a second, you can follow along. He writes, For this reason I kneel before the Father. I pray, he says, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being 
so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He's talking here about our inner being, I think our soul, that deepest part of ourselves where everything flows out of that, our character and our convictions. And he's saying, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will do such a work in that place, inside us, so that Christ would dwell there. So that Christ would be at home more and more in your soul. It's a bit like a renovation rescue. Uh, plenty of shows about that now, or, or maybe those real estate ads, this is a real fixer-upper. Um, you know, if you were to walk through the place, you'd see, you know, got to replace that dodgy kitchen. It's being ripped out. Uh, the rotten floorboards or the paints peeling or the leaky roof, whatever it is, they need to get in there and do the work. And that's what Paul's praying. That the Spirit would powerfully be at work so that Christ would dwell in there, that he would come in, smash down the walls, or make it fit more and more from room to room for Christ to dwell, for Christ to change us on the inside. When Jesus was promising the Holy Spirit to his followers in John chapter 14, Jesus said, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them. And we will come to them and make our home with them. That's what we ought to be seeking in prayer, that Christ would dwell and be at home with the Father in us. See, prayer is not just about what we get. In fact, often it can be about what we need to lose. Our anger, our ego, our greed our depression, our fear, whatever it is. It's about losing those things as Christ dwells more and more with us. And the reason we want to pray primarily for change in us, not our circumstances, is because we can trust God with our circumstances. It's not like they don't matter. It's that God will take care of that. And we read this in Romans 8, 28. God is working for the good of those who love him. And what is the good? Verse 29 tells us that we be conformed to be like his son. That's what God's working towards, that change. And then he says later that we can trust him to provide anything else that we need. And we can be confident of that because of the cross. Look with me at verse 32. Speaking of God, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not, along with him, along with Jesus, graciously give us all things? God didn't hold anything back from Jesus on that cross. He didn't hold a single strike of the whip from the soldiers, not a word, one word of mocking not a single hammer of the nail into his body. He didn't hold back that final breath where he would die. No, he gave him up for us. And if he is willing to give up his son, and if Christ is willing to give up his life, then together they will graciously give us all things. We can trust him with the circumstances. So let's focus on changing us. Prayer is asking God to change me before changing my circumstances. 
So here's the question. If God gave you everything that you needed and all your problems were fixed, what would you talk to God about? I hope today as we've answered the question, why should we pray, that it would be because of the access that we have through Christ or because you belong as his child and his spirit is with you that cries out, Abba. Or you're praying for change, to be more like Jesus, not just for your circumstances to change. God has done everything, hasn't he? So that we can pray. What's getting in the way? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of prayer. We thank you for the access through Christ. We thank you that you have adopted us as your children and that you are seeking for us to be changed, to be like Jesus, to dwell with us. Overcome the obstacles, whether they be our doubts, the devil's lies, our dependence on ourselves, or even our depression, so that we can come and speak with you, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.